0: What's up everybody? Jesus keep back for another episode. We will be deep diving in the book of Daniel. I plan on staying in this one for a little while so we all can see this beautiful, beautiful thing that God is trying to tell us. And I feel, I'm going to go ahead and say it, I may or may not think it's Rome. I've had this theory for a long time that it is Rome, but it just may be, it may be not. But first, I want to introduce something that I've learned for a Dr. Walter Kaiser. He is a living legend in the Old Testament, and I have learned through him and following through the Old Testament and scriptures. There's three important moments in messianic prophecy, because we're going to deep dive into that too. The promise spoken ahead of time, the historical means by which God kept the promise alive throughout the ages, the fulfillment of the promise. There's also different ways of prophecy. Not the little p, which you see in charismatics, but a direct prediction, speakers from them speaking directly to the situation long in the future, one target. Or two, the pattern or mirror prophecies, event in short term that looks like what it's going to look like in the future. Right. An example of a direct prophecy is Daniel chapter 7, verse 13, when you see the Son of Man coming on the clouds. And people neglect that, and, you know, like, I've met some dear brothers that thinks everything happened in 70 AD. Just like I said, with patterns, that that this is why people get confused, and maybe with this, all of us can come together and look at it and see what is at hand. We have lost that Maranatha cry of, Come, Jesus, come, and we've replaced it with, God loves everybody, that everybody's going to heaven, this person is a good person, this person's going to go to heaven, that is quite the opposite, and if you, anybody who knows scripture, we know that that is quite the opposite, and it's time that we buckle down and get the right overseeing of the scriptures and let the scriptures say what the scriptures say, so let's begin, we are going to start with Daniel chapter 2, verse 36 through 38 right now. Let's begin. But first, I want to make something clear. When we look at this, just because the headings say something, nine times out of ten, I mean, it's there, but that's not always what it is saying. The, The chapter numbers... And all that didn't come until the 1500s. So when we read them, and back then we read them as uh, literally passages, you know, manuscripts-wise. So let's begin. This was the dream. Now we will tell its interpretation before the king. You, O king, are the king of kings, to whom the God of heaven has given the, the kingdom, the power, the strength, and the glory And wherever the sons of man dwell, or the beasts of the field, or the birds of the sky, he has given them into your hand, and has caused you to rule over them all. Listen, you, King Neb, are the head of gold. A lot of people just say it's just Babylon. But they forget to read the context of the scripture. King kingdom. The Bible sometimes mixes it. You can't have one without the other. You know, next part of the metallic statue, we're going to read. The next is the chest, the arms of silver. And after you, after you, let's learn to read grammar, there will arise another kingdom inferior to you then another, third kingdom of bronze, which will rule over all the earth. Most commentators and theologians do concur that this is Medo-Persia and Greece. And then verse 40. Then there. Grammar. It doesn't say Rome. It never mentions Rome in the passage. Just I want you to follow me please. Then there will be a fourth kingdom. As strong as iron. and, And as much as iron crushes and shatters all things. So like the iron that breaks in pieces. It will crush and break all these pieces. Now when we look at biblical narrative and biblical history and geography, we see and we ask ourselves, did Rome fully conquer Babylon, Medo-Persia, and Greece? No, they did not. They got as far as north of the Euphrates River and, to be fair, that's me being fair, Emperor Trajan had a stroke and within a couple he pulled out and died within a couple weeks the successor his general Hadrian took over and vowed to never cross north of the Euphrates again I asked myself why is that because the Parthians which was the Persians which is modern day Iran think, think they would let the Romans come in and they would take over the town, or the villages, and they would ambush them. And the Romans couldn't handle that. they lost a lot of resources, men, and quite frankly, they was overmatched. And so they vowed to never return there again. That's as far as they got. But when we look at the true biblical maps of Babylon, where is that? That's what the scriptures say is Assyria, right? Which is... Therefore, the Middle East. Uh, We must stay within the scriptures and not try to shove anything in there that don't fit. So the next kingdom was what? Medo-Persia and Greece. I want you to look at another biblical map. It stays in the east and it veers a little bit west instead of the Roman Empire barely dipping into the east. It don't fit. Then you, my theory, Islam. Islam, if you really look at a biblical map of Islam, it surrounds Israel and still to this day. Islam is the longest running empire. Uh, it went from technically Babylon, Medo Persia, and Greece, they all speak what? Aramaic. And if you really chase look throughout history, that's that's true. And uh, it developed into Islam when Muhammad died, it said it would be a divided kingdom, right? In verse 20 or 41. Islam's always been a divided kingdom, guys. Rome was never truly divided until its downfall, and there were still powers at play when, it, when Rome was there. Because if... Islam started in the 5th century, then therefore they was on the same time frame as the Romans for a good while, and they've always been divided. And when when Muhammad died, people say it should have went to his family, his bloodline, which is modern-day Shia Muslims, or his friends and companions, which is modern-day Sunni Muslims. I have a lot of Islamic friends that have converted to Christianity, and they have told me some very sad stories you know and we're going to go to chapter 7 because that is a twin passage that's very important there's four visions right you got the first vision in chapter 7 the second vision in chapter 8 the third vision in chapter 9 the fourth vision is chapters 10 through 12, 12 is the final. It's rooted in history. It starts. The first year of King Belshazzar of Babylon, AD, a dream saw visions while I was laying in bed. Me, if you don't know, a lot of you know. I used to be an addict. I used to do pills, weed, psychedelics. So when I see something like this, that he saw a dream and a vision, in his mind, laying on his bed, I'm thinking... Was it out of body? Was it like, like a projection? Or was it inward? You know, as somebody that has battled drugs in my past, I think about stuff like that. And now my mind just, let's get on track. He had a, he had a vision and a dream. We have adopted a Greek mindset. The earth is physical and heavenly realm is Spiritual where ghosts and angels live. That is completely unbiblical. That drives me insane. Heaven is both physical and spiritual. Both are physical and spiritual. Angels are not ghosts who take on a physical body because throughout scripture they go out, eat food, or they walk through a wall and disappear. Whenever the Lord does amazing things, when reality emerges with the spirituality, right? We can agree on that. Verses 2 through 5, Daniel said, I was looking in my visions by night, and behold, the four winds of heaven. A lot of the four corners, the four compasses, it's, it has different ways of saying. We're steering up the great sea, that is the Mediterranean Sea. The four great beasts were coming up from the sea, the sea of the Gentiles different from one another. The first was like a lion and the wings of an eagle. I kept looking until its wings were plucked and it was lifted up from the ground and made to stand on two feet like a man. A human mind was also given to it. And behold, another beast, a second one resembling a bear, and it was raised up on one side. Three ribs in its mouth between its teeth and thus they said to it, Arise, devour, much meat. And after this I kept looking, and behold, another one, like a leopard, which on which had on its back four wings of a bird. The beast also had four heads. Dominion was given to it. And after this I kept looking in the night visions, and behold, a fourth beast, dreadful and terrifying, extremely strong, and it had large iron teeth. It devoured and crushed and trampled down the remainder with its feet. And it was different from all the beasts that were before it, and it had ten horns. A lot of people, a lot of commentators and theologians and people with doctor's degree, they when they see this horns, it is called nations, ten nations that make up the empire, the revived empire. And the little horn is the one coming out of it. But we're gonna pause right there. I'm gonna go back to Daniel 2, because Damon save verse 8 for later, because it's gonna come in handy. Now Back to Daniel 2, verse 34 through 35. You continued looking until a stone was cut out without hands. That's Jesus. And it struck the statue on its feet of iron, clay, and crushed and crushed them. Then the iron, the clay, the bronze, the silver, and the gold, listen, were crushed all at the same time and became like chaff. This is going to crush all at the same time. So when you look at Rome. You're like, how is that going to make Babylon, Medo-Persia, and Greece crumble when it has absolutely nothing to do with them? Then, If you insert genealogy, history, and scripture, put Islam there, when that stone crushes Islam, it's going to crush all them countries because Babylon is modern-day Iraq. You can't place it anywhere else. Geography is very important. Speaking of genealogy, we're going to go to Genesis chapter... 3, verse 15, one of the biggest, actually if not the biggest passage in this Bible. Literally, this is the mother of all messianic promises. And more than every beast of the field on your belly you will go and dust you will eat all the days of your life. Listen, and I will put enmity between you and the woman. We know who the woman is. That's Israel. Between your seed and her seed. In ESV, I'm pretty sure it says gene- genealogy or uh, something like that. It's bloodlines. Listen, he shall bruise you on the head. He shall crush you. And you shall bruise him on the heel. That's when Christ got resur- er, crucified. This is literally very important, guys. Now, you're going to keep following that same enmity and the same seeds. Let's go to Genesis chapter 10. ESV, it says, nations descended from Noah. I'm going to read from the NASB. Now these are the records of the generations of Shem, Ham, and Japheth, the sons of Noah, and the sons born to them after the flood. The sons of Japheth were Gomer and Magog, Med- Medea, Javan, Tubal, and Meshech, and Tyrus. The sons of Gomer, look at the last one, Togarmah. This is going to play a key, the sons of Javan were Tarshish. Verse 5. From the lands or from these the coastlands of the nations were separated into their lands, every one according to his language, according to their families, and to their nations. The sons of him were Cush and Mizraim and Put and Canaan. And uh I'm pretty sure in NA or ESV it says Cush too, but it also says Ethiopia, that is suits. Today, Sudan put today is modern day Libya. We know where Egypt is, and then you follow the sons of Cush, Ramah, where this were Sheba and Dedan, that is Saudi Arabia, and around in there in the Middle East. We're gonna to go to Numbers 24. This is another messianic prophecy. A lot of theologians believe that this is a messianic prophecy. And we're going to read that. Waters will flow from his buckets, and his seed will be by many waters. And his king shall be higher than Agak. Now, newsflash, folks. If you look in the six original manuscripts, most scholars believe It is to be Gog. This is here is the first mention of the title of the Antichrist. This is a title. You can check the Aquila, the Symmachus, the Subtituent, which was 200 BC, the Samaritan Pentateuch, the Dead Sea Scrolls, which is huge that we literally live off of, the Dead Sea Scrolls, and the Theodosius. They all will confirm what I'm saying to you. And for, look at verse 17. And I see him, but now, and behold, but not near, the star shall come forth from Jacob. A s- scepter shall rise from Israel. We're going to go to Deuteronomy 33. The Lord came from Sinai, and dawned on them from Seir. He shall he shone forth from Mount Paran, and he came forth from the midst of 10,000 holy ones. Mount Sinai modern archaeologists and a lot of scholars believe this is between Saudi Arabia and Egypt because hence the other mountains around it. We're going to go to Isaiah chapter i say chapter ten. Syria is God's instrument. Woe well, to those who enact evil statutes, statues and to those who constantly record unjust decisions so as to deprive the needy of justice, the rob and rob the poor of my people of their rights so that widows may be their spoil and that they may plunder the orphans now that will you do in the day of punishment and in the devastation which will come from afar to whom will you flee for help and where will you leave your wealth? Nothing remains but to crouch among the captives or fall among the slain. In spite of all this, his anger does not turn away and his hand is stretched out. Woe to Assyria, the rod of my anger. You're going to keep seeing that same that same thing over again. Verse 6. And to commissioning against the people of my fury to capture... And in ESV, it says booty if you seize plunder. This is going to be big later on. Very big. I want you to remember that. Verse 12. So it will be that when the day when the Lord has completed all his work on Mount Zion and on Jerusalem, he will say, I will punish the fruit of the arrogant heart of the king of Assyria. Arrogant heart of the king of Assyria. What is the little horn called? He is called the arrogant little horn. Alright. Let's go to chapter 19, please. Turn your Bibles to Isaiah 19. This This is where it's going to start getting deep. The oracle, which is prophecy concerning Egypt. Behold, the Lord is riding on a swift cloud. I want you to remember that. And is about to come to Egypt. The idols of Egypt will tremble at his presence. This is end time folks. And the heart of the Egyptians will melt within them. So I will incite Egyptians against Egyptians. This is civil war. And they will each fight against his brother. And each against his neighbor. City against city. And kingdom against kingdom. Then the spirit of the Egyptians will be demoralized within them. I will confound their strategies so that they will resort to idols and ghosts of the dead. And to mediums, the spiritual, spiritist, Moreover, I will deliver the Egyptians, listen folks, into the hand of, the, of a cruel master, Gog, the Antichrist. And a mighty king will rule over them, declares the Lord God of hosts. And waters from the sea will dry up, and the river will be parched and dry. The canals, the canals, the... Uh, you get what I'm saying, Well, emit a stench. The streams of Egypt will then out and dry up. The reeds and rushes will rot away. This is economy crashing. It just says the Nile will be dried up. That is global, or for them, that's business, that's no work for them. And you're going to look at the end of this, verse 20, and it will become a sign and a witness to the Lord of hosts in the land of Egypt, for they will cry to the Lord because of oppressors. He will send them a savior and a champion, and he will deliver them. (laughs) Now, when you look at Egypt, they have the largest Christian population in the Middle East. At 15%. And right above that, they have the world's largest Muslim population, Islam, radical Islam population at 90%. Christians are surrounded by them. That's why God's going to come save Egypt, because he's got children there. Verse 23. In that day. You're going to keep seeing that. In that day. There will be a highway from Egypt to Assyria, and the Assyrians will come into Egypt, and Egypt, Egypt, Egyptians into Assyria, and the Egyptians will worship with the Assyrians. The Assyrians are Middle Eastern, nowhere else. And that day, Israel will be the third party with Egypt and Assyria, a blessing in the midst of the earth. Now we're going to. Go to Ezekiel 30. And the word of the Lord came to me again, saying, Son of man, prophecy and say, Thus says the Lord God, Well, Allah is for the day, for the day is near, even the day of the Lord is near. It will be a day of clouds, a time of doom for the nations, a sword will come upon Egypt, and anguish will be in Ethiopia. That is Cush, folks. When the slain fall in Egypt, they take away her wealth, her foundations are torn down. What did it say back in Isaiah 19? Verse 5, Ethiopia put, Lud, all Arabia, Libya, and the people of the land that is in league will fall with them by the sword. I want you to go back in Daniel. Daniel chapter 7, where I said we would leave. I would hold on for now. Daniel chapter 7, verse 8. While I was contemplating the horns, behold, another horn, a little one came up among them, and three of the first horns were pulled out by the roots before it. And behold, this horn possessed eyes like the eyes of a man, and a mouth uttering great boasts. Speaking arrogantly, right? The arrogant Assyrian. Now, this is nuts, folks. I'm telling you. What did I say? When Egypt falls, anguish will be in Ethiopia, which is Kush. <laughs> Ethiopia, put, Lud, which is put, is Libya, North Africa. All what? All Islamic. They will submit. Because I want you. No, we're going to keep reading right now. Verse 9. An ancient of days took a seat. His vesture was like white snow and the hair of his head like pure wool. Then his throne was ablaze with flames and the wheels were a burning fire. A fire, a river of fire was flowing and coming out from before them. Thousands upon thousands were attending him. That's nuts. And myriads upon myriads... We're standing before him. The court set and the books were opened. Listen. Verse 11. Then I kept looking because of the sound of the boastful words which the horn was speaking. I kept looking until the beast was slain and his body was destroyed and given to the burning fire. As for the rest of the beast, their dominion was taken away. But an extension of life was granted to them for an appointed period of time. A little while. Just a little while. Now, verse, verse 22 in Daniel 7, the vision reinterpreted, until the ancient of days came, which we just talked about, and judgment was passed in favor of the saints of the highest one. That is what we are. This is, I love my brothers who are pre-tribulation, but. We are the saints of the highest one. We are going to have to face this. We are going to have to suffer. You know why? Because once we... God is trying to shake the roots of this earth, guys. And he's trying to get us to be obedient and to look on his face for his coming while he is here. Because he won't be here for much longer, right? And we keep arguing about theology, this and that. We have all been wrong. Listen. Until the age of days, judgment has passed in favor of the saints of the highest one. and the time arrived when the saints took possession of the kingdom. Thus says the Lord. The fourth beast will be a fourth kingdom on earth. And it will be different from all the other kingdoms. And it will devour the whole earth. Islam, if you look at how many Islams are in the world and all in our countries, they have us out. Numbered. Look at the the statistics, folks. There is no Romans today. When Rome took over something, they didn't destroy it utterly. When the temple burnt down, when Titus, when they set the city on fire, when they set Rome on fire, when Titus was woken up, he wasn't mad. He was trying to put it out. What kills me? The Romans paved roads so you can bring them taxes so they can get rich. That's all. I'm sorry. You're trying to sh- shove it in there, and it's not fitting with Scripture. And then you add Islam. They devoured everything, folks. And they still are doing it. The beast who is, who was, or who was, it is now, and is to come. Right? Because that was future tense. Islam ran... For goodness. Overnight. Almost 2,000 years. And it's still going. But it got clipped in 1923 by, by Mustafa Kemal Ataturk. Look it up, folks. He abolished the Ottoman Empire. Which originated from Mohammed. A false prophet. The false prophet of all false prophets. What's funny. Is how our Jesus is their Antichrist. And they're going to be fighting against... the the Jews and the Christians at the battle of Armageddon, and y'all don't see it. That's what's weird to me. Listen. As for the ten horns out of this tent out of this kingdom, ten kings will arise. And another will arise after them. And he, now it's zooming in on a person, will be different from the previous ones and will subdue three kings. What did we just see in Isaiah nineteen and Ezekiel 30. Hmm. Right? Now when we look in Daniel Chapter 8, the Ram and the Goat, right? We know where the we know what this is about. This is about Greece. The male goat magnified himself. That's Alexander the Great. I hold to a two-king theory, not a three. And it fits so much more easier when you don't have to shove it or guess. It really does. Alright. We are going to... We're now... My bad, guys. Uh, Everything's shut off on me. We're going to... Go to... Daniel 11... verse 21 through 45. We all know that the anything before this is history, like with prophecy patterns, right? But a lot of many scholars and commentaries and theologians believe that verses 21 through 45 is actually the Antichrist, that Antiochus Epiphanes was a foreshadow levy. In his place, a despicable person will arise and on whom the honor of the king, king, kingship has not been conferred. And he will come in time, in a time of tranquility, and seize the kingdom by intrigue. The overflowing forces will be flooded away before him and, and shattered, and also the prince of the covenant. After an alliance is made with him, he will practice deception. And he will... Go up and gain power with a small force of people. We already know who that is. In a time of tranquility, he will enter the richest part of the realm, and he will accomplish what his fathers never did, nor his ancestors. He will distribute plunder, booty, and possession among them. He will devise his, his schemes against strongholds, but only for a time. Listen, this is the final three and a half years. He will stir up his strength and courage against the king of the south, Egypt. This is a constant war between the Seleucid dynasty and the Ptolemaic dynasty. The king of the north, and the south, which the Seleucid dynasty is modern-day Turkey, who is I got is Gog. I will tell you why here soon. Uh, and parts of Iran, which is back then Persia. Babylon, which is Iraq now, and Syria. He will stir up his strength and courage against the king of the south with a large army. So the king of the south will mobilize an extremely large and mighty army for war. But he will not stand for schemes will be devised against him. Verse 28, and he will return to his land with much plunder. This is after Egypt but his heart will be set against the Holy Covenant and will take action and then return to his own land. At the appointed time, he will return and come to the king, of, come into the south, but this last time it will not turn out the way it did before. And if you look at history, just 10 years ago, guys, Egypt, Egypt, Egypt's president had Christian leaders come in and study this prophecy in Isaiah 19 that we read about because of the civil war between the Muslims, the government, and everything. They had a big, whole civil war against the people. Like in patterns, you're going to keep having it happen. There's two different ways of prophecy. Direct and in patterns, folks. No other way around it. That's from Dr. Walter Kaiser and many other theologians and commentaries. Now listen. For ships of... No... Verse 31. Forces from him will arise, desecrate the sanctuary fortress, and do away with the regular sacrifice. And they will set up the abomination of desolation. Now you can look into Matthew, Luke, John, every verse about the the desolation. That is when Jesus comes. I'm sorry. You have you have to have the apostasy, which leads to the desolation, which triggers. Christ's second coming and the gathering of the saints. We're going to be here through it. There's no rapture. Nothing all, the whole book was not fulfilled in the past. A lot of it was fulfilled. Jesus fulfilled a lot. We're going to keep reading. By smooth words, he will turn to the godliness, those who act wickedly to toward the covenant, but the people who know their God will display strength and take action. Those who have insight among the people will give understanding to the many. Yet they will fall by sword and by flame, by captivity, by plunder for many days. Isaiah 19, Ezekiel 30. Now when they fall, they will be granted a little help. And many will join them with, with them in hypocrisy. Verse 36, then the king will do as he pleases. He will exalt and magnify himself above every god and will speak monstrous things against the god of gods. He will prosper until the indignation is finished. For that which is decreed will be done. He will show no regard for the gods of his fathers. Now remember, Genesis 3.15, I will put enmity between you and the woman, your seed and her seed. Who did Jesus come from? Isaac, or Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. What about the other seed? Ishmael, Cain, I can keep going folks, Babylon, Greece, Egypt, keep going folks. For the desire of women, nor will he show regard for any god, he will magnify himself above them all. But instead, he will honor a God of fortress, a God whom his fathers did not know. What is Islam's God, quote-unquote, Allah? What did they teach to him? Death to Jews, death to Christians. They teach him from an early age as a child to deny the Father and the Son. There is no way around it. When you look at Islam, they have the caliph, that is, political, religious, military, all in one. I'll get there eventually. Verse 31, he will enter the beautiful land. Many countries will fall, but these will be rescued out of his hand. Edom and Moab. Moab is Jordan. Verse or Chapter 12, at that time, again, at that time, grammar, Michael, the great prince who stands guard over the sons of your people will arise. There will be a time of distress such as never occurred. This is the great tribulation. Since there was the nation until that time, not that time, your people, everyone who is found, found, written in the book, will be rescued. This is the end of days. Many of those who sleep in the dust of the ground will awake. These to everlasting life, but others to disgrace and everlasting contempt. Verse 4, But as for you, Daniel, conceal these words and seal, that, seal up the book until the end of time. Many will go back and forth studying this, and knowledge will increase. Verse 7, I heard the man dressed in linen who was above the waters of the river as he was raised his right hand and his left toward heaven, and swore by him, whose lives forever, who lives forever, that it will be for a time, a time, a for a time, times, and time and a half, that's three and a half years. Verse 11, for the time that the regular sacrifice is abolished and the abomination of desolation is set up, there will be 1,290 days. That's the final three and a half years. Now, we're going to go to the book of Ezekiel real quick. Ezekiel, chapter thirty-eight, and the word of the Lord came to me, saying, "Son of man, set your face toward Gog. This is a person. This is a title. The land of Magog, M-A, is the land of Gog, the prince of Rosh, Mesech, and Tubal. The pro- and prophecy." against him, and thus says the Lord, and say, thus says the Lord God, behold, I am against you, O God, Prince of Rosh, Meshech, and Tubal. I will turn you about and put hooks in your jaw. Uh, If you know the passage when he was talking about Pharaoh putting the hooks in the jaw, you know exactly what he's talking about. I will bring you out in all your army, horses and horsemen, all of them splendidly attired, A great company with buckler and shield, all of them wielding swords. Listen, Persia, Ethiopia, put, ESV says, Cush with them. Isaiah 19 have already fallen and submitted to this. These are the horns. And all of them with shield and helmet. Gomor, which is part of Turkey, with all its troops. Togomor, which is like a western Turkey... Iran, stuff like that, with the remote parts of the north, with all its troops, many people with you. Verse 8: After many days, you will be summoned in the latter years. You will come into the land that is restored. When did Israel get restored in the past, folks? I don't see no rapture here either. From the sword, Luke twenty one. You all die by sword and you'll be taken prisoners and captives until the time of the Gentiles are fulfilled. People, people forget about that. We're in the Gentile gap. Zechariah thirteen eight says, "When the shepherd gets struck, the sheep will scatter." Jesus died when? What happened in seventy A.D.? They got scattered. Whose inhabitants have been gathered from many nations to the mountains of what? Israel. It's so. Israel is a nation. When did Israel become a nation again? 1948 in Jerusalem, the battle was a six-day battle, but won on the seventh day in 1967, which had been a continual waste. It was been known as Palestine for 1,900 years, but its people were brought out from the nations, and they were all living securely. This don't mean safe and in heaven, folks. This means they got walls up now. They got an army that is. People are reluctant to mess with them. They got an economy. Grammar. Verse 12. To capture spoil and to seize plunder. Wonder where we learned that from. To turn your hand, hand against the waste places which are now inhabited and against the people who are gathered from the nations who have acquired cattle and goods who live at the center of the world. Israel. Sheba and Dadan, this is Saudi Arabia, the Arabian Peninsula, the Mediterranean powers, nobody else, with all its villages will save you. Have you come to capture spoil? Oh, this is, I'm pretty sure this is Egypt too. Have you come to capture spoil? Have you assembled your company to seize plunder? Would we read that earlier? Verse 15, you will come from your place out of the remote parts of the north Islam has many different nations and many people with you, and all of them riding on horses. Great assembly and, and a mighty army, because they still ride on horses. There, verse sixteen, and it will come up against my people Israel like a cloud to cover the land. It shall come about in the last days that I will bring you against my land, so that the na- I will, so that the nations may know me when I am sanctified through you before their eyes, O Gog. Thus says the Lord, are you the one whom I spoke in former days through my servants and the prophets of Israel who prophesied in those days for many years that I would bring you against them? Listen to the grammar. It will come about on that day when God comes against the land of Israel, declares the Lord. My fury will mount up in my anger. Verse 20, the fish of the sea, the birds of the heavens, the beasts of the field, and all the creepy things that creep on the earth, and all the men who are on the face of the earth will shake at my presence. Gosh. Verse 23, I will magnify myself, sanctify myself, and make myself known in the sight of many nations, and they will know that I am the Lord. Chapter 30... 39. And you, son of man, prophesy prophecy against Gog. And you keep saying, I will turn you around, drive you on, and take you up from the remote parts of the north, and bring you against the mountains of Israel. Listen, verse 6. I will send upon fire upon Magog and those who inhabit the coastlands, Genesis 10, and they will know that I am the Lord. My holy name I will make known in the midst of my people Israel, and I will not let my holy name be profound anymore. And the nations will know that I am the Lord, the the Lord, the Holy One in Israel. This is the second coming. Behold, it is coming, and it shall be done, declares the Lord. That is the day of which I have spoken. No. verse 11, on that day I will give Gog a burial Brown there in Israel, the valley of those who pass by the east of the sea, it will block off those who would pass by, so they will bury Gog. Verse 18 You will eat the flesh of mighty, actually, verse 17 and 18 As for you, son of man, thus says the Lord, speak to every kind of bird and to beasts of the field, and assemble and come gather from every. Side to my sacrifice, which I am going to sacrifice for you, is a great sacrifice in the mountains of Israel that you may eat the flesh and drink blood. You will eat the flesh of mighty men and drink the blood of the princes of the earth and as though they were rams, lambs, goats, and bulls. That's nuts. I want you to look in Revelation chapter 19, verse seven through twenty one. Then I saw an angel standing in the sun, and he cried out with a loud voice, saying to all the birds which fly in mid heaven, Come assemble for the great supper of the supper of God, so that you may eat the flesh of kings and the flesh of commanders, and the flesh of mighty men, and the flesh of horses, and those who set on them, and the flesh of all men, both free men and slaves, small and great. Verse nineteen I saw the beasts and the kings of the earth and the armies assembled to make war against him who set on the horse. And against his army, verse twenty, and the beast was seized with the him and the false prophet who performed the signs in his presence. Think of Exodus when you want to look at that, by which he deceived all those who had received the mark of the beast and those who worshipped his image. Worship his image. Look in Daniel chapter three. What Daniel or King Nebuchadnezzar wanted people to do. These two were thrown alive in the lake of fire. His resting place. <laughs> Goodness. Now, if you look back, we're going to go Revelation thirteen. Actually, Revelation two, seven churches. Where is the Asia Minor at? It's Turkey. It's where Gog is. It's Gog I'm from a Gog Meshach to that's Turkey, modern day Turkey, because in 1923, when the Ottoman Empire was abolished, it got turned into Turkey. And the goodness, man, there's your fatal head wound. So when John is having these visions and he's sitting on Patmos, where's Patmos? Part of Turkey, too. So he's looking, <laughs> he's looking at where Gog is going to be. at the land of Magog. I find it funny. I just, I find it awesome. We're going to look at chapter 13. And the dragon stood on the sand of the, of the seashore. Then I saw a beast coming up out of the sea having ten horns, ten nations, and seven heads. And on his horns were ten diadems. On his head were blasphemous names. And which I saw was like a leopard and his feet were like those of a bear and his mouth like the mouth of a lion and a dragon gave his power and his throne and great authority. Look back in Revelation 2. Pergamum. Where's Pergamum at? It's right. It's Turkey. Where's Eph- Ephesus? Smyrna. Turkey. I know where you dwell, where Satan's throne is, and you hold fast my name and did not deny my faith. The teaching of Balaam. And then you read... The synagogues of Satan. Alright. I saw one of his heads as if it had been slain. His fatal head wound was healed. That's a revived empire being revived. And the whole earth was amazed and followed after the beast. They worshipped the dragon because he gave his authority to the beast. And they worshipped the beast saying who is like the beast who is able to wage war. Have you not seen how Islam comes through and lays waste to everything? Turkey is a top five power in the military, folks. Iran is a very powerful. But if you combine all of them—Egypt, Kush, Put, Libya, Sudan, Iran, Babylon—I mean Iraq, Turkey, Syria—we are in some trouble, folks. You think ISIS was bad? They're going to—they're going to make ISIS seem like a saint. There was given him a mouth speaking arrogant words and the blasphemies and authority to act over 42 months. It was given to him, and he opened up his mouth and blaspheming against God to blaspheming his name and his tabernacle, that is, those who dwell in heaven. And it was also given to him to make war with the saints, the church. There is no rapture, folks. The whole world is going to see us lay down our lives for Jesus in obedience. You know why? Because that indu- produces wisdom, that's going to bring so many people to faith, folks. You do not see it. All those who dwell on the earth will worship him. Every- if anyone has an ear, let him hear. If anyone is destined for ca- captivity, captivity he goes. If anyone kills with the sword, if anyone kills with the sword, with the sword he must be killed. There is perseverance and the faith of the saints. We are going to look in... Verse 16. And he causes all the small and the great, the rich and the poor, and the free men and the slaves to be given a mark on their right hand or on their forehead. If anybody didn't really study Islam, I've had friends who are, and they will tell you that whoever is not Islamic will get marked on the hand. And I, I think that's just absolutely wild to me, right? And that's, all this is really a lot. You know, I plan to go more in depth over each chapter. I wanted to do an overview so you can see it from the perspective. So when we get done with this, we can deep dive into it, folks. I'm excited. I really am. I want all of us to get a real grasp of what the scriptures is saying, folks. You know, people, charismatics, they blow prophecy out and it's not even like that. If you study what the prophets are saying, they're pointing a whole different picture to what... Man has trained us to say. The Pharisees, the reason they didn't know Jesus is because they was relying on what man's ways, man's doctrine. You know what I'm saying? Being taught man ways instead of letting the book teach them. Grammar, folks, you got to think about the grammar. You got to understand prophecy, real prophecy, big P, not the little P that don't exist, uh, and see that there is a direct message from the speaker in, in the past through the direct person in the future or it's in patterns partially fulfilled constantly being fulfilled and you look at the war from the solicit and the south it's still going on you look at what's going on in in the middle east it's very terrifying you have famine war or famine because of the war you got these weird we've did i'm gonna go ahead and say we've had some weird strange weather here lately i'm not saying it's now we will never know But Jesus says in Matthew 24, these things in those days, when they all started happening at the same time, that's when you need to start paying attention. And I think it's time we have that Maranatha cry of come, Jesus, come. Instead of being out in left field when stuff starts happening, because I love each and every one of you. And I think we should look at this with a full heart and humility and an open mind. And let the scripture say what the scripture say. Now, I will be back with Daniel. I'm going to do chapter 2 and chapter 7 together because they are parallel passages. Thank you, everybody. Have a beautiful day.